Mick Cronin said after the win against Denver on Sunday that his team has got to keep pounding nails every day. I love that saying, and I'm going to start using that, and maybe you do as well. And we welcome you in to Locked on Bruins. Happy Tuesday. I'm Brian Fenley. I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter, at Brian Fenley. You can find me via email, LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. Again, tell me why I suck. Tell me why you disagree with my opinion. Or say, you know what, Brian? You made some sense with that point you made. Whatever it is, I'm all game and appreciate you connecting with me. And then there's also that subscribe button, which I always say is is your best way to show your support because then that lets the higher-ups know that this podcast channel deserves to be up and running. So what's in store for you on this episode? Obviously, there's a big break, a big cushion in between basketball games on the men's side, but there are a couple players on the team that I want to highlight and to show you you know, where they've grown, where they need to improve the most, and then where they can really shine and what's holding them back from doing that. Before I get anything further, a little bit about me, I am also a co-host for UCLA's Bruin Insider Show, which is powered by Learfield IMG College. That airs tonight. So from 5 to 6 live on UCLABruins.com, you can listen to another hour-long worth of Bruin content for your for all you gluttons of UCLA sporting news. And I do that show with Nick Cope and former NBA star and, and former Bruin in Tracy Murray. So that's always something good to listen to. It'll be on the radio tonight in Los Angeles from 7 to 8 p.m. on AM 570. If you miss it, can't make it at that time or listen in at that time, you can always go to uclabruins.com in the archive, archive section and listen to it when your schedule permits. So let's jump right into things here. And I wanted to, and I teased this after, at the end of the first episode of the week where I wanted to point out Tiger Campbell who you know he had come into this season just with a roaring start you know his first four games he was playing you know relentlessly and he was getting into games 30 minutes or more in the first four games but if you look at the stats the the next six games after that Tiger Campbell has only played one game with 30 minutes or more, and that was 32 against Denver. And I wonder if that was partially because, as we mentioned, David Singleton did not play in that game and put a little bit more of the responsibility on Campbell's shoulders. But you start to think, what's going on with Campbell? Why is he? Why are his numbers, is his playing time dipping off? Maybe he was just overutilized at the beginning of the year because that was the most comfortable thing that Mick Cronin had. And obviously the emergence of Jaime Jaquez Jr. has, I think, taken some of the pressure off of Campbell and maybe curbed some of his minutes because I think he was playing way too much. I think even Mick Cronin said that at the beginning of the year. we we got to subtract his, his minutes down a little bit. But I think you know you could also point out to, to Tiger Campbell and one of the things he wants to work on and that has kind of ailed him of 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 late the turnover issues he had three against Denver he has gone every game this year with at least one turnover and the last two games he has combined for five assists and five turnovers so that is probably one thing that if we're going to be nitpicky here 
where Tiger Campbell might, I don't know, might be hindering himself a little bit as far as playing time if you were to get into the psyche of Mick Cronin. Now, offensively, I I loved what he was able to do against Denver. Now, he didn't make a lot of shots. He went 3 of 10 from the field on Sunday. But I remember watching this one play, and this is the problem with Denver, as they were fighting over the top of screens. So, in this one particular play... There was a high ball screen at the top of the key by Cody Riley, and you've got you've got Tiger Campbell holding the rock. He rubs off the screen. His defender goes over the top, and so now the big on Denver has to help and take over, and then Campbell just leaves his initial defender in the dust and then is able to wade through a much slower big, and he was late reacting Inside, and then Campbell is so innovative with his moves through the lane and, and finishing amongst the trees, was able to score. I love that. But again, as much as Tiger Campbell wants to boost his numbers in in several categories, and I think you know one thing he does not want to see is the turnover issues that have plagued him of late. You also have to take into account that Jaime Jaquez has been spectacular. And he has become quite the facilitator as well. Eight assists for him over the last two games. And we said that, you know, Campbell had five assists, excuse me, five turnovers in the the two games that the Bruins have played in December. Well, Hawkes has had zero turnovers in those games. And so I think one thing that is also holding back Campbell is that his defense on the perimeter is not... To his liking, it's not to make Cronin's liking, and it, quite frankly, it's not getting the job done, and that has opened the team up to, you know, getting beat or at least getting outshot from the three-point line. And so, while Campbell is certainly working through that stuff, being a little bit more ball hawkish, better to angles, and, and trying to do that because obviously at 5'11", his stature, he's not always going to be the tallest guy out there guarding the perimeter, but that that's not an excuse. Like he, he's got to find the job to find the time and the opportunity to get in front of his defender at all times. And as Mick Cronin and, and Campbell had said, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to always be the more mighty, the, the you know have more muscle and be taller and all that. You can still win individual matchups if you beat your guy to a spot. And I think that is what Campbell needs to work on the most. And obviously getting to cutting off angles better and knowing where those are. So those were a couple things I had about Tiger Campbell because you know, we spoke about the turnovers. The good thing about UCLA against Denver on Sunday was that they had their lowest turnover count of the game or of the season. You know, they had nine turnovers and they were able to force a ton of turnovers, much more on the Denver side. And in that second half, the Bruins were able to capitalize off those turnovers. They had 26 points off those second half Denver turnovers. And UCLA led by as many as 21 in the second half. So these are all good things. And when the Bruins did make turnover mistakes, it was interesting because Denver head coach Rodney Billups, 
said that Mick Cronin holds his guys accountable, and that's the way to get them better. He said, quote, did Billups, Cronin doesn't want those guys to make mistakes. You can tell from his substitution pattern. As a coach, you really like that. But if you're Mick Cronin, you did not like how you played the first 18 minutes of this game against Denver because the Pioneers were right in it until the second half when the Bruins were able to enforce their will and, and take control. So those are all good things. What happened more in that second half? What enabled UCLA to pull through and beat that Denver team? Jules Bernard had a couple things to say about that that I want to touch on in just a moment. Plus, Sharif O'Neal, how would you assess where he's come along as a contributor on the defensive and offensive end? And Prince Ali as well. What do we make about his start to the season where he seems to be grooving in other areas where he knows he has to improve. That is all coming up next. But first, treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from LockedOn sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. I want to continue to analyze select players on this Bruin team, give them not a mid-season report, but maybe a third of a season report as we're still in non-conference action. But you've seen what Treef O'Neill has been able to do so far. And his playing time has shot up the last two games, 19 and 20 minutes respectively in each of the last two games. He's not taking enough free throws. I don't think he's being aggressive enough around the lane on the offensive end. And I do think he's a little bit tentative and a little, I don't know, filled with trepidation because the turnover issues when he's handling the ball, it's almost like he kind of freezes and is is not exactly sure what to do with it. He's super athletic. You know, he'll backdoor cut you, get a, get a feed and jam it. I want to see him and I want to challenge him more to, to develop more of that inside game where, you know, some finesse, some touch around the rim. And then hopefully he gets more aggressive when he gets to the the cup. Because, you know, I'm looking at all the, the minutes he's played recently and he's not taking a substantial amount of free throws. The, the thing is, I also, I, I'm, I don't know, he's shooting from the free throw line 60%. Now this is better than his father Shaq did. But, you know, Sharif would be the first to tell you, look, man, I got to step up that game. So, you know, there are a couple other guys that have struggled from the free throw line, like Cody Riley, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But as far as Sharif O'Neal, I think he's becoming more sound defensively. Want him to be, again, attack more to the rim, you know, uh, pick up more fouls on the defensive side with his aggression. So get to the line more. And then I challenge him to, to see what that mid-range game looks like. And I know that Mick Cronin is not the fondest of that jump shot, you know, the 15-footer when you can get inside. But I think if you want to see O'Neal become more developed and not just a, a guy who can maybe block shots and, and have super athleticism and jam it, that's where you want to see him thrive. And so hopefully that's going to come 
as well. Now, I spoke about free throw shooting and how it had been a detriment to some of the players. Not for Chris Smith, by the way, and I'm not here to jinx him. 34 of 36 from the free throw line so far this season. Now, against Denver on Sunday, you didn't even know he was on the court. I mean, he played, I don't know, 20 minutes, had four points, and they all came from the free throw line. He took four shots from the field. He missed all of them. And what this shows me is that even if Chris Smith does not show up in the stat sheet as big as he's shown he's capable of, that the Bruins aren't hinging on that to win. That there are other guys around them that can stand up and and, and, and take the reins offensively. So while Chris Smith had arguably his worst game of the season against Denver, it doesn't worry me that much because there are other guys who can fill the void. And look, we know what Chris Smith is capable of. We know he still is one of the best scorers on this team. But as far as having a, an off night, that's not going to be the ultimate buzzkill for this Bruin team. Now, Cody Riley is coming off a career game. 21 points, 11 rebounds, both career highs. Also, nine field goals made against Denver. This is all against Denver. That is a career high in a game. And to think that he did this in just 22 minutes. So you talk about a guy who is as productive, as efficient with the time he was given. 21 points in 22 minutes. As great as his offense is getting, he's having issues picking up fouls. And he fouled out against Denver. He has now fouled out in back-to-back games. And he has fouled out in three games overall this season. And in, in effect, he's hurting himself from becoming an even bigger contributor in the scoring stat sheet. What is promising is that he has gone five of the last six games scoring double figures. And against Denver, I mean, this guy was wonderful because he he was able to get great and deep post position and just seal off his guy. He got quickly to the right spots, showing that he's got some touch around the rim. Obviously, He's got the ability to, you know, throw down a putback slam mid-flight, get in the air off a miss and just jam it back. I mean, you talk about those instincts. You talk about that ball hawkishness, if you will, and very inventive around the cup with an array of different shots, not just dunks, that can can score for this Bruins team. But again, he's hurt himself with by fouling out and also the technical fouls. So that's been an issue for him. He had that technical against Hofstra, which some would say was what propelled Hofstra to win that game. Was That was, if you believe in momentum, that the Cody Riley technical foul was what changed the course of that game and sealed the Bruins' fate to losing. So, again... There comes the good with the bad, and he knows that he has to be able to control his emotions more because, obviously, as you get into some of the 
more stiffer competition that's coming up, it's going to be a grind, and they're going to try and deflate you mentally out there. That's part of the game plan. you got Notre Dame coming up this weekend, and we'll spend a little bit more time talking about them later in this week. And then you've got North Carolina following that. So, I mean, it doesn't get any easier. However, I will say that Notre Dame struggling mightily right now. And so this is gonna this could be a great bounce-back game for UCLA. And when I say bounce-back, it's not like they have lost recently. You know, they're coming off a win. But it's a, it's a credible win against a, a Power 5 team on the road. I think that will do wonders for the morale of this Bruins team that because they're still young, they'll start, they'll, they're still trying to learn how to finish, close out games. All good things that, that could be in play for them against the Fighting Irish. And other, other points I wanted to make, Jaime Jaquez, gosh, I mean, I, I don't think you can say enough good things about this guy. And it's just sensational what he has been able to do lately. I looked at some of the highlights against Denver. And maybe you were watching this game live, but there was a move that just was like, my goodness, he's so good. He caught the ball top of the lane, and he crossed over his defender, shimmied by him, took it hard to the hole for the score. Then there was another sequence in that Denver game where Hawkes missed a shot, and he doesn't give up on the play, and that's... That's something that everybody has to learn on the Bruins is not to give up on an Aaron shot. He follows his shot, which I believe in in the the state of affairs of basketball right now, that is a lost art. You know, I think that not a lot of guys at any level are following their shot. I don't know what that is, but it seems to be some sort of enigma where guys are not keyed into that but you realize that you can prolong possessions and, and give yourselves more opportunities to score it's, it, guys are more apt to to watch their shot like it's a it's a movie and, and hope for the best than to no matter whether it goes in or not assume that it is a miss and then position yourself in a place where if it is missed you can get the offensive rebound and eventually score. So, you know, just just a thought there. And I would like to spend a little bit of time talking about Notre Dame tomorrow. We're going to start with that. But what I do also want to discuss, which can't go unnoticed, is the play of the UCLA women's basketball team and how well they've been playing. They have not lost this season. I would be deemed a failure in life. I would be looked at as an embarrassment to my family if I chose not to discuss this UCLA women's basketball team because they're playing so well. They are 8 and 0. They are top 15 nationally. They are coming off a win against Cal State Northridge, which was kind of an ugly win. 58 to 44. Michaela Onionware scored 23 points. And now that the Bruins are 8-0, and it's if you're counting it, score at home, this is their greatest start to a season since the 1980-81 campaign. And that was a year when they took their first 12 games 
So quietly, you've seen what this team is capable of. And they've been dealing with injuries from Chantel Horvat, Lindsey Cacero, Kiara Jefferson, to name a few. But I, I, I don't know. You're really hurt, hindering yourself if you don't make it out to a game. Because Michaela Onionware is an absolute demon in the lane. Japrice Dean as well. I mean, I think this team, if you can get everybody healthy, could be one of those squads that has the potential to make the Elite Eight. I mean, I'm going as far to say that. Now, we have seen the injuries hinder this team, and you know we're going to see them play some stiffer competition later on. And then, obviously, the Pac-12 is a gauntlet. But to be 8-0 and to do it with a lot of transfers, a highly recruited uh, recruiting class, I should say, that, that freshman group that's in now, there are so many bright spots on this team. And Michaela Onionware is basically the facilitator. You know, I, I think she's got WNBA written all over her if that's something that she wants to pursue. And she's just an offensive stalwart. A stalwart, I should say, and just on defense, she's kind of like the quarterback. I said she had 23 points against CSUN in that Bruin win on Saturday. And in that performance, she went 8 of 10 from the field, had 7 rebounds. And, you know, the Bruins, I'll tell you, in that specific game, they did not shoot the ball well, 33%. They missed 18 three-pointers. So they're winning ugly. They're winning nonetheless, but I don't think you can afford to miss 18 threes and shoot 33% and figure to win against like power five schools. Hey, it's good that they're making all of these mistakes early on. I know they'll ratchet things up, tighten it up, and goodness gracious, make yourself some time to get out to Poly Pavilion and watch this team play. I mean, they are a lot of fun to watch, and they're not getting enough credit that they deserve, and we'll be continuing to monitor their success on this podcast channel as well. That's going to do it for today. Tomorrow, oh my goodness, plenty to discuss about Notre Dame, the Bruin men's basketball's next opponent. Some sour words about the team from their own head coach. He doesn't have a lot of confidence in them right now. We'll discuss in totality tomorrow.